0: Welcome to another special summer edition of the Bighorn Podcast. We had one of the best seasons ever this past year, and a great part of our success are the people that work behind the scenes to ensure that Bighorn maintains the level of excellence that allows us to continue to enjoy this lifestyle. As we continue to provide the stories that make up our community, We thank Leeds and Son Fine Jewelers, who along with being a member of our community for over 75 years, has continued to be supportive of our podcast and the desert community. Their commitment to excellence in product and customer service is unparalleled. Bighorn Properties, who continues to represent Bighorn in a way that no one else can their over 30 years of experience and knowledge of our community makes them the authority on what makes Bighorn the special place it is. The group of Lorna Ball, Jackie Burns, Tony Lennon, and Trevor Prince take pride in representing both buyers and sellers in a way that highlights the unique qualities that allows Bighorn to be the number one club in the country. Back 9 Greens, who brings to you works of art in your own backyard with the quality workmanship and service that sets the standard in their industry. Demand the best when you are looking for improving your golf game and your outdoor surroundings. That's back 9 Greens. Corliss Estate Wine, who joined us this year and their support and belief in our community is greatly appreciated. Their great wine that combines old-world techniques with new-world fruits is definitely worth experiencing at both the poorhouse and the steakhouse at Bighorn. You will be glad you did. My name is Marty Lockman, and today's guest epitomizes the long-term dedication to our community and to our security. We sometimes take for granted the people that work long hours to allow us to have this wonderful lifestyle. And today we will talk to Carl Williams, Director of Security for the Bighorn Golf Club. Carl has been a member of our community for close to 20 years, and the job that he does with his staff is one of the most critical aspects that makes our lives better. Safety and security is something that we take seriously. And Carl's leadership allows us to enjoy a peace of mind that is imperative for all of us. But let's let Carl tell his story, which started in Garden Maine. Carl, thanks for being here and take us on your journey. Thanks for having me, sir.
1: I was born and raised in a small New England city. Population probably, back then, probably 3,000. Grew up there and graduated high school I had an opportunity to go to college, but I got kind of caught up with a a United States Marine Corps recruiter who got me to sign the, the dotted line. So I went into the Marine Corps, spent eight years there. I got married towards the end of my last enlistment to a gal that grew up out here. When I got out, I stayed here in the desert in Palm Springs. I worked for a family business. I did some private security some bodyguard stuff when I first got out. Then I worked for a company for a few years, and I ended up here in in 2005. Well, actually, let me back that up. Prior to that, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I became a, a deputy sheriff with the Riverside County Sheriff's Office, and I worked locally here in the Valley, worked in the contract cities. I worked in the city of Desert Hot Springs, the unincorporated areas, Palm Desert, Rancho Mirage. My career was cut short by a pretty bad injury, spinal injury. I had a major couple of major surgeries and then they they put me out to pasture like an old horse so which I understand that but they took good care of me and after I retired in 2000 for a few years that's when I I worked. I worked some private security but I worked for uh, my wife's in-laws pool construction business for a little bit and I ended up coming up here. I knew of Bighorn from my sheriff's department days. I can't honestly say that in all my 12 years with the sheriff's department I don't think I ever got a call in here ever close by down the hill but I don't remember ever coming in here for a call. I came and drove through and checked the property out just as a courtesy. I never had a criminal call per se. When I was working in Palm Desert down here, so I had heard of it. I had heard about the reputation, and back in those days when they when jobs were posted, they were in the local paper, The Desert Sun. We didn't have all these indeed and in websites, so I saw an ad and I applied and I came to work here in April of two thousand five and I've been here ever since started at the bottom as a patrol officer. And worked my way up, and here I am at the top of the department, which I really never anticipated. Thought I'd get my feet wet, this type of security, see how it went. I fell in love with it, and here I am.
0: Let's, Carl, if we could, can we just go back a little bit? Uh, In your younger years, your formative years, what kind of upbringing, your parents, tell me a little bit about them and the influence they've had on you. Tell me about that part.
1: Yes, sir. I, like I said, I grew up in a small town in New England. My dad was, uh, my dad was a hard worker. He, he owned his own lumber business, him and my uncle. So I learned how to use a chainsaw at about 10 years old. It was a typical New England style. It was a family business. All my cousins were in it, my brothers. It was hard work. And that's where I learned. I learned about working hard for a dollar. My dad got sick and he died of cancer when I was ten, around ten or eleven. I'm getting old, so I forget it was. I was very young, and then my mom got sick and she died about a year and a half later. And they both had colon cancer. And after that, my oldest brother, who's about fourteen years older than I am, fifteen, he was married. Had a, my niece, who I call my little sister. She was only like a year younger than me, year and a half maybe. So my brother and my sister-in-law became my legal guardians, and they raised me during the really bad years of my life from about 12 until I left to go in the military. I graduated high school at 17 and turned 18 in boot camp. They were the structure for me that kept me on the right path. Those are some bad years for me. I had a hard time.
0: When you look back on that, as we all do, when we've had such a traumatic happening in our lives, that has an impact on your life completely. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's difficult to deal with, especially at that age. You're fortunate that you did have some family that was able to provide that kind of structure for you. That's and amazing. as you've already said, that's probably a huge factor in where that's where true. you are today. But still, you had suffering at an early age, but you also saw a strong work ethic. Absolutely. That has an influence, even though they're not around, that has an influence on you also for the rest of your life.
1: A- absolutely, without a, without a doubt. Um, you know, I saw that with my dad, my brothers, all my uncles, they worked hard every day to make a buck and support their families and that was instilled in me at a very young age my oldest brother my sister-in-law cuz I call them mom and pops they're my second they had a big influence on me keeping me focused in school getting good grades playing sports balancing sports and in school my education and getting good grades and they were very supportive but my older brother was he was hard it was like my dad. It was just like my dad. And he kept me on the straight and narrow, kept me from getting in trouble. and He instilled a, a lot of discipline in me, which to this day, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for what he did. Because God knows where it would have
0: ended up. Well, obviously, you have a lot of gratitude for what they did for you. But also, a lot of this is about you these are tough times. And as you have already alluded to, you can go a number of different ways yes, at sir. that point in your life. You have this structure, you have this work ethic. And now the next step is you go into the Marine Corps. Was there any decision about whether that's what you were going to do, or you just made this decision and you felt that this was the right path for you at the time?
1: I did it for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted the challenge Two, my dad was a was a Navy man. He was a Korean War vet. In military, there was a lot of my cousins. I was the first, probably, child out of the. My dad came from a huge family, like ten kids. There wasn't many of them that went in the military, but I was kind of the the leading guy to go in. And I did it really for those two reasons: to honor my dad. And to accept the challenge to become a United States Marine. And I have no regrets. I loved it.
0: And that experience, how old are you now when you go in? I turned 18 in boot camp. Okay, that's right. So now at 18 years old, you're in the Marines. Was it everything that you expected it to be? Was it more? What was your feeling about those early days in the Marines? It was, I know that I needed
1: it. I needed that structure. I needed that discipline. I came from the family I came from. That's how we were raised. I don't know how to answer that, sir. It was, you know, I had a good recruiter, and I went in the Marine Corps with two of my best friends. We went on the buddy program. Once we get out of recruit training, we all get stationed in different places, but I loved it. It if I wouldn't have got married, I probably would have done a career. You know, it was there were challenging times in it, um, for sure, but I feel that it made me the person that I am. Between my upbringing and the Marine Corps, it taught me a lot.
0: You seem to be at a very young age, pretty self-aware of what needed to be done. Sometimes we do what we have to do so we can do what we want to do. Right. And in this particular case, you at a young age were pretty self-aware about what you needed and what sort of structure you needed in your life to maximize the opportunities.
1: I agree with that, sir. And I credit that with my older brother, the way he raised me. And he was all about working hard, being honest, Don't cheat people on a job. Give it 100% every time. And that's how he was. And I knew going into the Marine Corps was was just going to better me. And I just felt I needed that. I needed that structure. I can't say enough about it. A lot of young people nowadays, the military's changed a lot. The world's changed a lot. I've hired some veterans. They've been through a lot. We've had the war in Afghanistan, Iraq, Desert Storm prior to that. I was deployed to Beirut, Lebanon twice. I was involved in the invasion of Grenada to rescue U.S. college students down there. So I relate to the young veterans now that come out and they suffer from a lot of PTSD. They've seen a lot. I think the Marine Corps is what made me understand. You suffer, sometimes you suffer to accomplish the mission. Personally, as a, as a team, it made me who I am, and, and I'm thankful for that.
0: Well, you make sacrifices for the greater good. Uh, yes, you do. Now, you mentioned a little bit about your deployment. What are some other places that you were deployed to during your service? Career? Um, those were the only uh,
1: combat arena, combat area places, but I was lucky to see a lot of the world I've um, been to Italy, Spain, Virgin Islands, Bahamas, obviously down in South America a little bit, Philippines, but mostly East Coast stuff. Been to England, Greece. You know, those are all Liberty Ports, so it was nice. I, I got to see a lot of the world at a young age.
0: Well, plus you get to have a world view that many of your contemporaries that you grew up with never have been able to experience. That's true. And I think over that period of time, too, it broadens your ideas about life completely.
1: Absolutely. I agree, sir.
0: Now, you went through then your career as you've already outlined. You end up here. One of the questions I always ask people that come in for these podcasts when you first met Mr. Hubbard, what were your impressions?
1: The story I, well, I tell all the n- new people that I hired, it's a true story. I hadn't been here long in the privacy department. I mean, I started here at age 41. I'm getting ready to hit 60. Um, a former cop, former Marine. I was put at the, the mountain's main gate, which all my staff are terrified of because they don't want to make mistakes. And I understand that. He came driving up in his golf cart. I had not met him, and I'd been here for a few months. He comes hauling butt across the street from the sales office in his golf cart. And I'm out there, and I stopped him. I didn't know who he was. I had no idea. I was to introduce myself. And Mr. Harvard gave me that. He didn't even say, I am who I am. He said, don't you know who I am? Young man, I said, no, sir, I don't. That's why I'm stopping you. I need to identify who you are, and this is a private community, and I can't let you in without knowing who you are and if you're authorized to come in here. And he just he shot me a look like... Are you freaking crazy? And I said, I'm not going to let you in, sir. until you, I I know who you are. He pulled out his wallet and showed me his ID, and I knew who he was. You know, I had been trained. Mr. Hubbard runs this place. Held out my hand, and I said, sorry for the inconvenience, sir. It's nice to meet you, Mr. Hubbard. My name's Carl Williams, and I'm new here. And he looked at me and shook my hand. He said, all right, all right Williams thanks. And he drove off. And I thought, I'm going to get fired. I thought for sure I was going to get fired. But I didn't. And I told my boss what I did. And he laughed at me. He said, you ID'd RD Hubbard? I said, yes, sir, I did. I didn't know who he was. And he just laughed at me. He goes, okay, good job. Then I thought, if he, Mr. Harvard calls my boss, I'm screwed. I'm going to be terminated, but never did.
0: Well, I think from those, and after you've had a chance to know him over the period of time, I think that you understand that he had more respect for what you did he than did. any sort of blame for what you did.
1: He did. And I don't know. I just. After being here for so long and then, you know, learning about Mr. Hubbard's vision and, you know, I had nothing. They always joked about him being the the dictator. And I heard that many times from fellow homeowners or staff. But what he did here was was amazing. Him and the investment group and all of you homeowners and it, it just there was a certain standard that was set and he did not budge from it whether it was membership homeowners staff his philosophy and his creation was is something else
0: well as you well know from both uh, from your experience in the military and here these things don't happen by accident there's a culture that is instilled in people. And it's important to have that. And it comes from strong leadership.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: As you move forward from this incident with with Mr. Hubbard, you're moving forward in your career here. Did you know right away that this was a place that maybe was going to be your home for the next close to 20 years? Absolutely. When I first got here, And when you're new to this place, especially
1: in in our field and in the privacy, the security field, the way I hire now and I interview was different than back in those days. I interviewed one time with the assistant director back in those days, and he was a mentor, great man. He's gone now, but when we hire now, I have very lengthy interviews And I usually have a couple of the guys or gals from my leadership team, which I call my leadership, my supervisors. We do a big interview where we sit down like this and we tell the applicants, there's no secrets. We tell them, this is what is expected of you. This is the culture at this club. And in order for you to be successful on this team, you have to buy into the bighorn philosophy. And what that means is you work hard, you sacrifice, you work a lot of overtime, you have to take, and we're here to take care of our homeowners and members. So if you aren't willing to do that, you won't be successful here. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, I don't sugarcoat it with my team and then the people that have been with me I've had, I've got some employees that have been here longer than me and you know our average our average 10 years 5 to 7 8 years i've had a lot of young men that came here worked with me for a few years and they've moved on to law enforcement uh firefighters but they stay in that public service realm and that's why we try to teach them here.
0: What are those qualities that you're looking for? Obviously, you mentioned the culture and being very transparent to them at the very start about what's expected, because I think that's always important for any leader, because if people don't understand what's expected, it's very hard for them to meet up to those standards. Great. So. What other qualities do you look for in people and Is there any differences today in hiring people? Because we hear a lot about in every aspect of the workforce around the country. Are there differences today than there was when you first started? Absolutely.
1: The short answer is yes. You know, I like to chalk it up to the generational thing. And you and I may have been raised differently than the young Gen Xs. and, and, And I'm not putting those generations down. It's just different. Everybody's times change. You know, kids grow up on the Internet. And I've hired a lot of fine young people. The challenge for us, myself and my leadership team is to find the right person, your ability to communicate. You have to communicate with our homeowners. Um, And I tell them we're not a Gestapo style um, security team. We can be, but that's not our primary mission here. Our primary mission is obviously to protect and preserve this property for our homeowners, but it goes way beyond that. It's all about the customer service, and we try to weed that out in the interview process with these young people that and it's it's pretty easy to tell now I've been doing this for many years where you can you know you got the right candidate, male or female. The ones that sit across from you and you have to pry words out of them, they're not going to be successful here. You know, and you have to find that happy medium between a young person that you don't want them too cocky. You want them confident, but you also want them to realize their job is the customer service angle and to take care of our homeowners. And if that means a homeowner gets angry with you and chews your butt out, well, then you better be able to take it because your job is to make them happy. And I think we've been pretty successful. We've had some turnover. Most of my turnover here for our team is they move on. There's two reasons. One, they move on, they get a couple years in, and then they go for a higher paying job or a, a better career. And then the second reason we lose them is they don't fit. If they don't fit, we give them all the opportunity to learn. We spend a lot of time training our personnel. Our training can last between, most of our training is two to three months. Whatever position we hire for. Uh, like my central station dispatchers, they train for a long time. Um, and I always try to promote within To me, I I learned that a long time ago, that builds morale in your team. We don't bring anybody in from the outside and put them in to a management or supervisory position. Everybody on my team has promoted, has gone like me from the bottom to their current position. They've worked through the system. They've proven themselves and their value to Bighorn. So that's that's what we do in privacy.
0: And I think that it, this is unique this this place is unique. Absolutely. So you need to as you've already alluded to, you need to understand the culture uh, we always talk about we're a family here at Bighorn. Yes, sir. And it's not just the members; it's the people that work here. We all have the same goals and aspirations, and 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 it is more of a family than other some other places. At least my experience from this side of it. But I think that they also just because you've done this someplace else doesn't mean that you understand how to do it here.
1: Correct. I just came off a couple of weeks of working uh, overnights because we had the Coachella Music Fest and we always staff heavy because we have a lot of guests, homeowners, kids come in, grandkids, and it's the Ubers that we have to control because they're nuts. They just don't know where they're going. My supervisory team and I are starting, actually Monday, i got to hire some more people. It is, we're very picky, a candidate for the privacy team has to undergo a minimum of three interviews to get hired sometimes four and my bosses make the final decision i could like a candidate then they go through my hr director uh, Ms. patty bobrowski she could approve of them but when i get them to the executive team they could say no carl and and we've done that ever since i've been here well it didn't happen with me. It was different back then, but it's changed over the years because of what is expected of them and to match the culture of the club and our homeowners. And you're so right. There's a lot of people that have worked at other clubs. They don't, they don't make it here. I, I have to get rid of them because they're not Bitcoin quality. It's that simple.
0: And not that security... The fundamentals, I think, have always been somewhat the same, I would think. However, security today and security 20 years ago is different in the country, in our society, in the world. Yes, sir. That you have to be prepared for things that you never gave as much thought to or were as concerned about. In years past. Certainly. So you have to be flexible. Right. As you did with Coachella. I've told this story, but I want to... You just brought it up. I want to talk about it just a second. You change your personal hours during Coachella, as I understand it. Every year. Because it doesn't happen during the day... There are nighttime things that, you know, somebody says, Hey, we can have a party back at Bighorn, let's get an Uber and go back there. You have to be really conscious of the circumstances and a matrix that worked in February doesn't necessarily work now.
1: Correct. Yes, sir. And that's the whole thing of the situation dictates, and I have to have my team adapt and improvise and take on the challenge. The club Has been the last four years. I took over as a director in 2017. So since then, the club has gone above and beyond to enhance our security. We've spent a lot of money upgrading our systems. We have state of the art camera systems, we have thermal imaging for night. Bighorn and the way it was developed and designed by Mr. Hubbard and the leadership is it's not a compound you drive up highway 74 and you're not surrounded by 12 foot block walls here as you know as a homeowner there's a reason for that the aesthetics well that makes the security aspect a little challenging and that's why over the years as you said earlier sir you know crime has increased and the club has been supportive of myself and our team and spent a lot of money upgrading our systems to help us do our job. And it's amazing.
0: And I imagine you and your team and the management staff has to be continually aware of what technology, what new challenges occur, that you continue to have these meetings on a regular basis about how we're always improving.
1: Yes, sir. And You know, we get, like I said, we get the support of the club and and, and the board of directors with the Homeowners Association and our membership. And it is, it's a constant evaluation. We're constantly changing out our camera systems, our beam systems, our training. I'm a big believer in training, you know, from coming from the Marine Corps and and law enforcement. You constantly got to train. And it it works, you know, it's it's what makes us successful. We make mistakes, no doubt. I call them my kids because they're all younger than me, but my kids make mistakes. So my supervisory team, the way I've taught them is, you teach them from that mistake, you coach, you don't go chew them out. Yeah, they might get a little chewing out, but then they're coached. Here's what you did wrong. You identify the problem. You give them appropriate solutions to make them understand so they don't make that same mistake again. And, and I have a great team. They make me look good. They do all the hard work. They're out there in the trenches like I used to be. As a leader, I was always taught, never ever forget where you came from, never. And that's what I live by.
0: And your leadership philosophy is just that.
1: Exactly. It's, I try to lead by example. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i in a group with other securities throughout Coachella Valley. You know, we're all in a group and we share criminal information, you know, bad guys hitting this club and, and it's a great organization. We all work well together. A couple of my peers, I had talked to them. About a week before Coachella, and one of them wanted to get together for lunch. I'm like, no, I I can't. I'm going to be working nights. And he said, what do you mean? I said, every year I work 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights. One in particular is a former deputy that I worked with. And he's like, you're nuts. What are you doing? And I said, I have to be there, up there with my team, with my guys. And to me, that's leadership by example. To me, that builds trust. And my people see that I'm willing to sacrifice like I asked them to sacrifice. To work all that overtime. To cover the events for our homeowners. Privacy's role has changed dramatically since I've been here. We never used to work at the events. Mr. Harvard didn't want us at the events. There were a few we did, don't get me wrong. But now... We're at a lot of events, and mostly there as just a sense of security for the homeowners. We definitely work events with outside entities that come in here to take care of the club, but we're there to help the other staff. It's not just my team. The food and beverage guys and gals, Rick from Purchasing, everybody, the management. There's a lot of hours that go into the success of the club for our members and homeowners. So we all try to work as a team. It's demanding, but it's very rewarding. So that's what we try to teach our people.
0: It's comforting (laughs) to hear this because most people, as you and I talked before we started, they take some of this stuff for granted. And, well, they should. There's, you know, the magician doesn't have to show how they do all the tricks. When you pull the curtain behind This is a complex, complicated, ongoing effort on part of you, but in concert with everything else that goes on at Bighorn. Yes, sir. To make this the experience that we all appreciate. And again, I don't think we necessarily take it for granted, but none of this happens by accident. And it's that kind of planning and that kind of work that goes on behind the scenes that helps all of us. What you do is such a critical part of why we're here because security is extremely important. I agree
1: sir and what we try to do is is make sure that our homeowners feel safe here. This is your home. This is your house. We're part of it. We try to really teach our young people that how would you if you were as successful and wealthy as our homeowners? How would you want to feel if you lived in here? Would you want to have to worry about somebody just driving in and we don't make sure who they are? It's a give and take, but it's all part of the Bighorn way. My security team is totally different than other club security teams. We tell them that. You have to go above and beyond the call of duty. I'll say a comment sometimes like, this is not Barney Fife security. I know you understand that. Sometimes the young kids look at me like, who? And I say, Google it. I said, we're not traditional security. We've never been traditional security. And as time has evolved, our mission and our job task and our responsibilities have increased. And you have to be able to buy into that and work hard and be happy at it and make it successful. You will reap the rewards of higher pay better benefits, you know, our, the club, our general manager, Tony, our Mr. Cardinelli, Mr. Curtis, our executive staff, Mr. Berger, Mr. Bury, they go above and beyond to take care of our employees to make it successful. And I tell them, those are the kind of, of things that you will get, you know, when the GM calls me and gives me a box of gift cards, Hey bud, give these to your, your team. They've never experienced that, some of those young kids. I said, here's a $50 gift card. Here's a $100 gift card. This is a thank you from the club. And they look at me like, what a, it's for you. So I make sure that they know where it comes from, all the, the thank yous. And I said, look, they everybody knows that you work hard. And the thing that I'm proudest about, not just as a privacy director, but You said it earlier, sir, the way the staff has to work together to make it successful. There's a lot of work that goes into that with all the different departments. And we all work together to make sure it's good for our homeowners.
0: The question, many of us aren't here during the summer months, although my understanding is there's more and more people that are full-time residents. How do things change for security during the summer, or do they? They don't. The summertime is
1: when we allow our team to go on vacations, but we don't drop our staffing level whatsoever. Um, A lot of times um, I'm getting five other employees from other departments that are normally seasonal employees, and they lay them off. Well they they want to come work for me. They want to keep their jobs, keep their benefits. They we train them. They love it because it's beneficial to them. They can keep working and it helps me because then I can send my people on vacation. It's a balancing act and it's as far as the security aspect, it's 24/7, 365 days a year. Nothing changes even on the holidays. We keep it at a certain level, and then sometimes we amp it up. I get a lot of intelligence reports from other directors, security directors in the valley. We're all tied in tightly with my alma mater, Riverside county sheriff, so you know when they get Intel, I'll get phone calls. Hey, this is going on. We're looking at this. There could be a serial burglar in the in the city in the valley, and we all share information, so it it works really well, and, and all these wonderful cameras that I have now on Highway 74 happen to capture a lot of traffic collisions. We had one yesterday, and I give footage to the sheriff's department as part of their. They love it. They're like, "Wow, we wish every club had these kind of cameras." I'm like, "Well, you know, we're above and beyond, so it, it helps them in their investigations."
0: We talked about your dad, mom, who you lost early, your brother. What are some other people that have had an influence on your life?
1: I had a a senior enlisted, uh, a sergeant major in the Marine Corps who, um, I got a lot of special operations training when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, I had a special job. And he, he was definitely an influence on my life. Not just the training, not just the military, but life in general. It was kind of like having another another dad, and he definitely was an influence. Again, my oldest brother was huge. My wife has been unbelievable. You know, we met before I got out, and we we're getting ready to hit it 37 years. My wife has a medical background, nursing, and she has been through, I have had nine surgeries on my body since age 36. And she has put up with me and the pain and the rehab, and you know she's she's my soulmate. But she's also had to be my nurse, Ratchet, keep me in line, make sure that you know I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. She's she's a wonderful wife, a mother, and you know my best friend. Absolutely she hears all the stories about bighorn every night what happened today at work babe so i have to tell her um she said i feel like i should work up there like no no we'll kill each other
0: (laughs) but that is also uh a partner is extremely important someone who understands because, as you already mentioned, sometimes there's irregular hours. Sometimes that you're on call virtually twenty four seven. I am. So it's uh, and if somebody's not uh, on board, that's a that's a challenge. Absolutely, and, and makes it more difficult for you to perform.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more, sir. And, and she's been very good about that. You know, she went saw that a little bit in the military, but then definitely as a, in law enforcement, it's the same way. And here, you know, and as I climbed the ranks at Bighorn, obviously my responsibilities increased. And now I'm at the top of the mountain in privacy. So it's even more, it's part of my job. And I have a good staff that takes care of things, but there's some things they can't that only I can handle. And that does mean a lot of sacrifice on her part.
0: With all you have accomplished, both before and here, what does the future look like for you? I plan on
1: sticking around here as long as I can. If I can't do the job, I will walk away. This is my last job, and I just hit my 18-year anniversary, so I'd like to stick around a few more years. I have developed, and it's an ongoing thing, but again, going back to my background you always train the man or the woman below you to learn your job in case you go down, especially in combat. Um, and I've done that with my team and I'm, it's a continual process. So when I do walk away, somebody will be able to step in internally who knows Bighorn and it'll be an easy transition and it won't hurt our homeowners, our members. So. Yeah, I just would like to finish up my career and retire. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm used to working. I've been working since I was young, young. And it's just, I don't know if I'd be bored.
0: But we're lucky to have you.
1: Well, thank you, sir.
0: I have one last question that I ask everybody. What advice would you give the 20-year-old you today? I think I would say...
1: Never give up on your dreams. Stay the course and be patient. Complete your mission in life, whatever it may be. And when you're young, I know when I was 20, yeah, I'd been in the military a couple of years. I'd been overseas to bad places. It changed me, but it also helped me. And I just feel that Patience is, is when you're young, you don't have patience. I didn't. I just wanted to go, go, move up the steps wherever I was, whatever I was doing. That came from my work ethic that I was taught when I was young. But sometimes you got to just drop it down a gear, relax, stay the course, do what you need to do, but do the honorable thing, And you'll get to where you need to go. Just don't give up. Everybody has hard times in life, no matter who you are. We all have demons. At least this is my thought process. And you have to accept those demons, make friends with those demons, and drive on and finish out what you want to do in life. There's always distractions. Things happen. Like you said, tragedies happen. And you have to build from that and keep pushing. That's what I would say.
0: Carl, I very much appreciate you coming in today. Thank you, and, sir. Um, this is because we people
1: well, I, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for the opportunity and what we say and not just my team, but our slogan is love the horn. Even my HR director is doing that now. So, and I, and I have to take credit for that. She stole that from me, but that's philosophy. And I am thankful that I've had the opportunity here I plan on riding it out as long as I can, as long as I'm, I can do my job and do it successfully and keep my team happy. I want happy. This is where I'll be. And here's to loving the horn. It is. Thank you very much, sir.
0: Carl, thanks for being with us today. As you work so tirelessly behind the scenes, I know that doing this today is a little out of your comfort zone, but you have been great. And I know that our community appreciates the work that you do. And now we have been able to know more about the person that you are and sharing your story has been enlightening and educational. We are lucky to have you at Bighorn. Thanks again to Leeds and Son Fine Jewelers, Bighorn Properties, Back Nine Greens, and Corliss Estate Wine for their support that makes these podcasts possible. We look forward to Season 6 of the Bighorn Podcast with interesting people and their extraordinary stories very soon. We appreciate your listening and your positive comments about our podcasts. Thank you.